0: suno, Hello people of the world This is the Metaphysical Podcast I am your, your Not really a host I'm just a person I'm Brian <laughs> And then that's Alexander over there uh, I'm sick today So I sound not good uh, Not really much I can do about it But I'll apologize anyway My bad <laughs> Uh Today we're going to be we're going to be diving into something that we we
1: know absolutely t- nothing about.
0: Right, yeah. As usual. We're going as as per usual. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to be talking about neuroscience and brain development, brain function, all the kind of things that you want ignorant people talking about. <laughs> <laughs> But to our credit, it's based on it's based on uh, words from people who do know what they're talking about, presumably. So hopefully, it's not total garbage. Um, so just to give people a frame of reference, we're going to be talking about this topic. The topic came from this video called uh, "About his about as important a question as you can ask? Is that what it is? Or about as big a question as you can ask?
1: Something like that.
0: Yeah, it's on YouTube. You can you can find it on there. Uh, it's between Jordan Peterson and this guy, Ian McGilchrist, who I believe is a neuroscientist or has something to do with it. I'm not positive.
1: Yeah, that's a good question.
0: Yeah. They've just made it up. He wrote, he wrote a book called The Master and His Emissary, which deals with the, the different functions of the brain hemispheres. And the findings that he, he details in the interview or the discussion that he has with Jordan Peterson, they're really interesting. And if everything that he's saying is accurate, it's a pretty big deal so we decided to talk about this after texting a little bit about it so we wanted to go through some of those texts just to get the ball rolling and give everyone a frame of reference and maybe we should summarize summarize the video first or the different the main idea of the different functions of the brain hemispheres
1: yeah that's a good idea
0: so, the, the idea is that, as far as I understood it, the different hemispheres have kind of a, a main overarching function, and then within that there are more detailed processes that they, they take control over, but the, the gist of it is that the right brain is more of an exploratory force. So it deals with confronting new ideas or new input that comes into the brain. And also, it would also be the part of the brain that functions to, to, so I always think of it in terms of when I'm, when I'm trying to figure something out, especially something complicated, I try to imagine the different situations that can come from each of the things that I'm talking about. So it's, it's sort of like daydreaming. You kind of imagine potential worlds where these different ideas are the case and see what happens in those worlds. And you run it out in your head and it's, it's really useful for making decisions. It's really, really useful for, for writing. That's usually something I'll do if I'm writing a, like a fiction piece. I'll imagine the different characters in different situations and see what happens but that's that's kind of what i mean by exploratory it's the part of the brain that confronts new information and deals with determining or i guess inventing new ideas sort of exploring new areas and then on the other hand the left brain is the it deals more with grasping just kind of the way i think of it Um, so it once you actually have determined that something is a viable way of looking at the world that hemisphere takes over that idea and implements it into the way that you actually it implements it into the way that you think about the world so when you're confronting things that you have experience with typically you're doing it based on you know, the idea or the, uh, the processes of that hemisphere of the brain. That's sort of a loose overview of it. Um, there are other interesting ways of looking at it, um, metaphorical ways of looking at it that can be helpful. Uh, Jordan Peterson's a big fan of order versus chaos. So the left brain would be orderly, the right brain would be chaotic, although chaotic can carry a negative connotation that I don't think really applies to it. For all intents and purposes. Fair enough. Um. Yeah. Anything to add? Um.
1: Well he did talk about. In the beginning. Or maybe it's not in the beginning of the video. But. McGill. McGill. Christ. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Um. I think he says that, according to his research, like the right right hemisphere is actually more dominant or something than the left, which was like something that people hadn't thought before or something. Right? Doesn't he say right. something
0: like that? Yeah, yeah. So in his book, The Master and the Emissary, the master is the right hemisphere of the brain, which he said is atypical of how people had previously conceptualized it. <clears throat> um because the and that's largely because you think of the left hemisphere of the brain since it's dealing with grasping and order you think of it as more dominant but um he makes an argument for the right brain being more dominant because it i think the way that it, that he describes it is that it's it's more about um kind of along the exploration aspect. The right brain is constantly interacting with the world in new ways. So it's going out and collecting all of this new information and finding out new things. And then only once it's processed and accepted those, do those things get um, delegated to the function of the left brain.
1: And I guess, too, something else they talked about that I think relates to that is they're saying how, like, when you have a paradigm like a way of seeing the world that's coming from the left brain but the right brain is going to be paying attention to the anomalies the things that like tell you you're wrong and so the right brain is the one that would formulate a new way of looking at the world and then tell the left brain like look this is how we're going to do it now so i guess that's kind of like a dominance thing too where it's like the left brain is just I don't know kind of like yeah i guess they talk about it in that way like being told how to like where it's wrong and then being revised by the right brain right
0: yeah yeah so the right brain it seems like more of an it it's a more active process and the left brain is more more of a stationary process i guess is a probably not a a, maybe not a physically accurate way of looking at it but maybe an accurate metaphorical way of looking at it. Interesting. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's it gets really, really interesting when you start to look at how, at least this is, so now, so for the listeners, this is where we started to get away from that interview and into some wild baseless theories that I have. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the theory is It basically takes that idea and then some aspects of personality traits and how those personality traits predict different features of a person, different ways that they'll live their lives, and trying to combine the two to... This is where it gets tricky. I think you can combine the two to get a fairly accurate depiction of certain people, and that information could potentially be very useful could be useful for interacting with those people and knowing or be able to being able to figure out more quickly how to interact with certain people if they have certain personality types, which I think are based on being... I was going to say being more dominant in either the left brain or the right brain, but I think it's more just having a different combination of functions in the left and right brain. And we can get more into that. There was another text I wanted to read over real quickly that leads into it. So yeah, we had texted about I think it manif a really clear way to see it manifest is in politics because it's become so polarized in America. Um, I think and I think at the extremes it manifests a lot more clearly. And then it gets murkier in the middle where things start to mix and move around more. But uh, I brought that up and you asked if if i thought those kinds of distinctions were important or useful basically is is doing this worth it and what i had said was i think it's helpful <coughs> excuse me I said i think it's helpful uh in for it's helpful to consider those traits in order to on a personal level see where you can balance yourself out so if you if you can see traits that you're or things that you're doing and then trace them back to traits that you have and then trace that back to being a particular function of either side of the brain i think it can be helpful in trying to figure out how to improve yourself Mm. so on a personal level i think it's useful uh, it's also useful, like I said, in terms of dealing with other people. You can see how those characteristics manifest in other people. And when you start to look more into the uh, the deeper functions of the different hemispheres, you can find the motivation for a lot of the behavior. And it it can highlight the pathway that people take when they're thinking things through, which is also really helpful. So I want to try to think of an example of that. Um, So we can look at, we can go into politics to try to. Someone's here. (laughs) (laughs) Kendall's here. That's okay. I'll just I'll edit this part out. <laughs> You're fine.
1: Gosh dang it,
0: Kendall. <laughs> You're gonna work down here. Uh do you need your computer? Yeah. <laughs> Where's yours, dude? It died. Go ahead. I'll show up. I'll read. Are you sure? Yeah. Uh we it's won't be good. very long. We only have it's not he has pressing. to Okay. He has to He He has has to leave in about 30 minutes, less than 30 minutes anyway.
1: Hi, Kendall. Oh, I guess I can go
0: upstairs. Either way, Alexander says hi. She said thumbs up. Bye. (laughs) Oh, man. All right, I'll cut all that out. Um, should hop back into it? All right, we can talk about politics. 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 Yeah, politics. Okay. <clears throat> so, a big part of the motivation for this is trying to understand people. So mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of utility to understanding the way that people think about certain things and arrive at different conclusions based on that. So, do you want to start on the uh, left or the right? What do you think? The right. Okay. So like I said, it's easiest to do this at the extremes. <coughs> so, let's go to the far right. Um <laughs> we go all the way to like ethno-nationalism really severe extreme right views then it's it's interesting to look at both the brain hemisphere and then the different brain functions that it interacts with so as best I can as best I can uh, figure out just off of observations that I've made of people someone who leans toward the right side of politics is generally interacting with the world based on left brain, or left hemisphere brain functions. So they interact with the world. They, um, you know, as, as a child, everyone's discovering what's happening. So they discover what happens, and then they figure out how the world is, and they interact with the world essentially as it is. Which <clears throat> which makes sense when you look at, the you know, people on the right are called conservatives. Because they want to conserve the way that things are, essentially. It's a little bit different than that, but that's kind of a, a really watered down way of saying it. They want to maintain the way that things are, if they're functioning properly. And they don't want to do dramatic things. Like, they want to be left alone to act out as they think that they should. Which lines up with the function of the left brain right because it's you grasp something you have it and then it it is telling you that that is the way that the world is and that's the way that you interact with it so it's a fairly a fairly rigid way of interacting with the world which i think is something that i feel like rigid, rigidity is a way that people maybe people on the other side but maybe people in general describe conservatives <coughs> Um, yeah not super interested in trying out new things they look at the way that things have have worked in the past they think that they can continue to work so they want to continue to implement them and then again going to the very extremes of that you can see how if um, someone has one way of looking at the world and they're They're completely locked down into it. That function seems to tie in with another brain function, and I don't know which hemisphere this falls on. And also, the hemispheres aren't the end all, be all of brain functions. Should probably say that. Like it's it's an interesting aspect to look at, but that's it's not it's not um, a total explanation of the way that the brain works. But, um, yeah, so that, that aspect of personality based on the left hemisphere of the brain interacts or seems to interact really strongly with a couple other mechanisms. One of them would be the, it's um, an adaptive genetic development which causes individuals to be wary of outsiders, you could say basically people that aren't already in their group. <clears throat> and it's a, useful, it's a useful function of adaptation because you can look through history and see how interacting with other groups has been catastrophic for certain groups of people. For instance, the Native Americans, when they interacted with the, the Spaniards or whichever group they interacted with, many, many people died from diseases interacting with those and as far as I know that's what it is mainly based on it's mainly based on pathogens it's because yeah ad- adaptation's not it doesn't deal with how you feel about things it just deals with survival so it's it's based on being wary of pathogens that can come from other groups and also probably in part being wary of other groups wanting to fight because that was also a a fairly common thing. You run into a group you don't know. Either you're going to get along or you're going to fight <clears throat> in a lot of instances. So it, for ethno-nationalism, it seems like those two systems interact and tend to dominate the way that people think, at least politically, and probably in other aspects of their lives. So they're extremely wary of other groups, which is why they're focused on their particular ethnicity. And... They're, they're locked into those ideas because they're dominated by the left brain, which serves to hold on to ideas about the way that you consider the world. So that they, I think it's, um, I don't know the statistics, but it seems like it's uh, probably pretty hard to talk an ethno-nationalist out of being an ethno-nationalist. And, yeah, so the theory is that that's because they're primarily functioning based off of the that aspect of the left brain, which holds on to ideas. Interesting. Yeah.
1: And then how does the... How does the left... The right brain, left people...
0: How does that work? <laughs> yeah. Swing it over to the other side. And actually, as I'm saying this, maybe it makes more sense on the moderate level. I may have jumped the gun thinking that at the extremes it's more manifested. Because the extremes actually, I think, might have more, there's more to it. I think it's too It's too simplistic and not as, I don't think it's as, as good or effective. So maybe we should focus on the moderate people.
1: Well, <clears> what I was thinking while you were saying that is that at the extremes of the political spectrum as we have it both both sides are functioning primarily from the left brain.
0: Right. Right.
1: Because once you get into a totalitarian system, that's all it is, is we have the system for we have the solution to the universe and we don't need anybody else's new ideas. We don't need new ideas. We have the idea and it's utopia and it needs to be enforced is all. So that's like full left brain and that's on the right and the left when you get out yeah
0: too. yeah i think you're right i think we were talking about this the other day how when you look at the extremes of the political spectrum it doesn't actually seem to be linear like a lot of people think about it almost seems to be more circular so that the two extremes end up right next to each other maybe with a wall in between since they have different ideas <laughs> <clears throat> But you're right, yeah, like, they aren't, they aren't exactly opposites of each other. They come really close together, especially in that aspect where, yeah, they think they have the, the end-all, be-all solution.
1: Right. But I think if it were a spectrum of anarchy to totalitarian, then maybe it would apply in that way. But keep going with the moderate idea. Maybe it works better with the moderate.
0: Yeah, I th- I think that it will, cause yeah, the, yeah the yeah, cause then yeah, if you think of it that way, where it's more circular, the moderates on either side actually would be opposites of each other, <clears throat> and I think there's a I, yeah, I think, ooh yeah, that's actually all starting to kind of come together, cause then you have. It's like somewhere in the middle between uh, a, a centrist and an extremist. Somewhere in the middle on the right side and somewhere in the middle on the left side are opposites of each other. So you have someone who's solidly conservative but doesn't have extreme ideas, just, you know, holds on to conservative ideas, is going to be opposite of someone who is very into liberal ideas but isn't so far that they're extreme. And of course, those categories are are pretty liquid anyway. It's hard to draw a tight box around what makes a solid conservative and a solid liberal. Depends on how you think about it, but we're getting way off topic. For the sake of the argument, <coughs> and for for more, we'll talk about it more pragmatically anyway. Since we don't we don't need to get into all the it's about it's about how to how you can use these to function. Okay, so swing swing it over to the left side of politics. Left side of politics are more dominated by the right brain functions and that they're more exploratory. So they interact with the world, but they're more concerned with how it can be changed and improved. And, <clears throat> and it's actually really interesting to see how that extends into business, too. This was a claim by Jordan Peterson. I haven't looked into it, but... Um, and it also ties it into personality a little bit. So... There are certain personality traits, and I don't remember the combinations, but they also indicate which side of the political spectrum people, which side of the political spectrum people will fall onto, and they're supposed to be fairly accurate. It was, uh, and, isn't
1: it? Openness and conscientiousness. So if you're high in, there's a personality trait that's just called openness. So if you're high in openness, I think is what it's called, then that, yeah, <laughs> that predicts you being on the left side the spectrum politically and if you're high in conscientiousness, I think that's what it is I think it's conscientiousness that sounds right then that predicts yeah open
0: inside a political spectrum That sounds right um, and it yeah that's I hope that's right <laughs> But yeah openness is tied in with creativity which makes me think that you're right because people people on the left tend to be people who lean more toward creativity. And it's because of this is how it all ties together. It's because they're in this theory that I have predominantly functioning based off of their right hemisphere, which is about exploration and serves to function as a creative, a creative uh, envoy or however you want to say it. <clears throat> so those people come up with creative ideas and also creative solutions, and that's where I was going with it. When you look at people who start new businesses. A lot of them are very creative people who tend to be left leaning. And you can see that in like the uh, now the gigantic social media companies and a lot of the new tech companies in general. I think we're all, all or most were started by people who lean toward the left in politics. And so Peterson's idea is those people start businesses and then the conservatives run them, which ties in with how they function based on the left side of the left hemisphere of the brain because they're very good at seeing how things work understanding it and then making sure that it continues to function so they're not going to be trying to implement new things and taking huge risks and doing doing things that could potentially be catastrophic because they they find systems that work and then they latch onto them and they implement them very effectively hmm. And it's cool looking at how that manifests in the world, just when you interact with people, because we're both, we're both in, I think we're both in the English departments, even though we have different degrees. But we're both, we're both in the liberal arts fields, Mm -hmm. and it might be a little different for you. I'm not sure, but I know out here in Indianapolis, at Butler, it's the liberal arts fields are. Significantly more populated by people who are both creative and more creative and more liberal. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard
1: for me to gauge that because I don't have any friends that aren't in the liberal arts. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that's true. I mean, I, there's definitely... There's definitely more left leaning people in my classes than I would expect there to be at um at b y u just so everyone knows mormons are generally right leaning and so um i i would expect i expected a lot less left leaning people at at b y u but there's quite a few in in all my classes and maybe it's because they're liberal arts classes, but I'm not sure. But yeah, it sounds reasonable. It sounds like something that that um, that most people talk about, that, yeah, like, math and science people are generally going to be more conservative.
0: Yeah, that's at least a stereotype that exists, right? Yeah, yeah. And it it does tie in with the brain hemisphere functions and how they relate to personality personality traits. It all does tie together. It makes, makes a whole lot of sense in a lot of ways.
1: So the interesting thing is how... So it makes sense how a conservative... How conservatism goes towards totalitarianism, like how, I don't know, it, it, it seems understandable that someone who's like focused on left brain function, like defining things, having effective rules and implementing them, like that makes sense as, okay, you take that and you make it more extreme and, and powerful and you're going to have a totalitarian government, or, you know, fascism. But so, it seems a lot more slippery and, like, and weird that the same thing happens on the left side. Where, yeah, you supposedly have all these people who are creative and exploratory, and, you know, if you're creative and exploratory, your natural state would be some kind of uncertainty because, because you don't know when you're going to find the next better answer and you're going to have to throw out the old answers and everything. And so you'd think that the left would be all the way to the extreme would be defined by that kind of uncertainty and exploration and and um, you know, like tolerance or whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> and so it's interesting how How does that work? Like all these people who are supposedly right brain functioning, just kind of flip and it goes way the other way.
0: Let me float out a big theory to you. Tell me what you think of it. Float it. So this gets, this gets into the, um, the practical use of this kind of information. Again, I'm just theorizing, but I think there's potential in it. My thought with that (coughs) is that, first of all, I should say that everyone has functions from both hemispheres. They just seem to manifest in different ways. And one type seems, it appears to be more dominant, at least in the way that people interact with the physical world. And I mentioned this the other day too, I'll I'll say it briefly. It seems like people on the left side of politics who are right brain dominant tend to interact with the physical world more with the right side of their brain where they're constantly exploring new ideas and looking at new things and trying to find new ways to exist and being creative. But then when they deal with abstractions they tend to, it seems like they tend to switch and deal with abstractions with the left side of their brain because they reject religion and they say, no, like that's not how things are. It's an abstraction. And that's where they, they lock down and they have, they grab onto the things that they know and they reject the exploratory process and new ideas. And this is a huge generalization, but that, that seems to manifest in that people On the left side of politics tend to be less religious than people on the right side of politics, at least as far as I know. And then conversely you have people on the right side of politics, left brain dominant. They're left brain dominant in the way that they interact with the physical world, where what you see is what you get, the things that work work and that's how you do it. But then when those people interact with the abstract, they use the exploratory part of their brain and they're much more open to religious experiences and accepting religion itself. So that's a really interesting thing, and i it's not fully fleshed out, but that's kind of the general idea that I have. And regardless, everyone has functions of both hemispheres. They just use them differently to interact with the world. That's mm-hmm. what it seems like. So when you look at the extremes of politics, as an example, you have people who are on the right side and become extreme. You would call it fascism or something akin to it. And so what it seems to me, because the other thing is that it seems like, I mean, by nature of having two hemispheres in the brain, it seems like people are built in order to try to find a middle ground between the two, being Mm -hmm. able to use both of them. So my guess is that when people get pulled one way or the other, it fires up the other hemisphere of the brain to try to bring them back to the middle ground. So if things get too chaotic and crazy in you know on the right side of the brain, they're, they're dealing with too many things and nothing makes any sense, then the left hemisphere of the brain will try to lock on some things and bring them back to a state of, yeah. of peace or... Order. Order, yeah. More order than chaos. And then vice versa. If you're too locked down, it's going to make you unbelievably anxious and you're going to need outside stimulation. You're going to need some kind of exploration and that might also tie in with why people who are on the right side of politics left brain dominant find religion because they interact with the world like the most of their experiences are very cut and dry they're they're locked down and set set fairly firmly so they need some kind of stimulation on the exploratory side and you can get that from religion that's where that like, your kind of creativity comes from the ability to the ability to conceptualize and accept something that you can't see. Sure. And then and then obviously on the other side. You interact with the world in an exploratory way, that's a whole lot of chaos. So you need to be locked in. And the way to do that is to reject other abstractions and to stay, you know, trying to see the world when you're think when you're conceptualizing the world, try to do it in as practical a way as possible because there's too much chaos otherwise. Hmm. That's yeah. So you get, into, you get into fascism. What I'm guessing is that, and you can see this in what happened in World War II, if the surrounding political system, or at least the individual, or no, it would have to be a group. <coughs> oh, man. Um, I guess if the general feeling is that of a chaotic chaotic setting like how the politics in Germany at the time before World War II were pretty chaotic the economy was tanking things were not going well it was a time of a lot of stress and and turmoil and it makes sense that a fascist right political left minded person would well actually it's interesting because I think I'm actually pretty sure Hitler was a liberal like, he ran in the, in the Liberal Party before he became a fascist.
1: I think you're right. That's right. I don't remember.
0: <coughs> but either way, you can, we can ignore the, the literal politics and look more at the brain function. Because the way that he ran things was very much as someone who was left brain dominant. It was very orderly and organized. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry, Guse.
1: Don't die. Don't die on me. These are these ideas aren't worth dying uh, over, man.
0: <laughs> I gotta get them out before I go. Someone's gotta carry them on.
1: Nobody's gonna listen to this. Nobody's gonna hear
0: them. <coughs> they should at least have the opportunity. Oh, if they go, if they go skulking around the. <laughs> the <laughs> deepest cracks of iTunes or wherever this is gonna be. <clears throat> okay, here we go. We're back, we're live for now. Right. Chaotic chaotic political uh, atmosphere leads to leads to a tyrant essentially. Someone who can create order and runs things in a very specific way that everyone knows and no one is confused about. And in that way the fascist balances out the chaotic political atmosphere. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and then you take the opposite, you have the extreme leftist. And you could look at you could look at the Soviet Union or any any communist run. I would call it a dictatorship, but whatever you want to call it. You have a a system where someone on the left side of politics takes it to the extreme and then ends up in a position of essentially total power over everyone else. And on that side, I don't know the history of the Soviet Union as well, but as far as I know, it was the political atmosphere depended on where you soci- where you stood socially. Mm-hmm. So if you were at the, there was a big divide. I don't think there was much of a middle class. It was more upper class, lower class, and so if you were in the upper class, it was pretty stationary, and then if you were in the lower class, it was fairly chaotic. But, <clears throat> but I think a lot of the ideas that, um, a lot of the ideas that ended up contributing to communism came from the upper class like intellectual discussions within those that were higher up in politics in an attempt to rectify uh, a lot of the inequality that was in the country. But it came from, like, I don't think they were politically unstable at the time. I'm not positive, but I don't think so, at least not in the way that Germany was. Like, serfs and farmers were struggling, but... Not to the point where the entire country was collapsing because the upper class could maintain it, that's as far as I know, and i'm very I'm very unsure about that. <clears throat> but if that's true, then it was a um, right it was a it was a fairly organized and set structure, actually, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because it was essentially a caste system. You had the upper class that ruled everything, and then most of the people were workers. So you have a, a small faction subjugating a, a bigger group of people, and that's a very ordered and structured way wherein nobody really moves between social classes. Like mm-hmm. you're there or you're there, and that's pretty much it. So within that lockdown um, political structure, the popular idea becomes, okay, well, we need, to, we need to mix things up. We need to change things. So then you have the extreme leftist view where, okay, basically what we're going to do is we're just going to invert it to try to balance it out. We're going to redistribute all of the elements that we have evenly among everyone so that everyone gets some, nobody is above anyone else. We're just going to even it out, which it it almost sounds more orderly, but I don't think that it is because it's, for one, in and of itself, it's extremely radical to just... (coughs) just take all these resources from people and give them to other people in order to to balance things out like that's a radical and immediate process big change right and it takes a lot of moving parts politically to get that to happen but they did it which is you know part of like it would take innovative people to be able to do that especially to convince people to go along with it so at least at least in my mind, that's kind of how it plays out. So they... Was that, did that even answer your question? Not Before, yet. Or why does the... Right. Your question was more, why do they both end up possessed by ideology? They become controlled by a left-brain order, one set of the way of doing things. That's what you're talking about.
1: Yeah. But I think okay. that's moving towards that, because I think... I think what happens when you go extreme, extreme left is, and I mean, the same thing happens in the French Revolution, right? It's like, it's going to produce a lot of chaos, trying to completely change the social order. And so when there's that much chaos, then like you were saying, um, there's the the natural, uh, the natural reflex for the order side of things, the left brain to want order and to, to try and focus in on certain things and block out chaos. And so I think, I think that's why the left naturally goes there because the the left naturally produces order i mean naturally produces a lot of chaos when it's taken to its extreme and then that chaos needs to be made orderly in it and it's and it lends itself well to someone taking power and and using that power to do whatever they want so
0: yeah, I see what you're saying. So <clears throat> that, that's making me think that maybe the politics, the politics don't really play into it as much. It's more just about the brain type and the or the uh, whichever hemisphere of the brain is functioning and the personality type. Because that's why I kind of got stuck a little bit. Because I st- it started to sound like I was saying the exact same thing for the liberal as for the conservative extremes. And maybe that's why. It has less to do with political factions. Maybe that's just... <clears throat> um, maybe that lends itself to whatever side of politics they lend on. is just their natural inclination to whichever side. But then the actual extreme is just based on a dominant left hemisphere, which is interacting as a response to the chaos surrounding the situation the chaos surrounding the individual. And so they become locked into the beliefs because they need something to hold on to to prop them up amongst all the craziness going on.
1: I think that makes a lot of sense. And the same thing happened with the fascist regime in Spain. Franco took mm-hmm. over after, you know, they tried to do a republic and it was just, like, chaos and, and... um they're trying to make everything more free and, and yeah, liberal, left-sided, and, and it just kind of, all that chaos just kind of opened the way for, for Franco's dictatorship, too. And I think you see it with religion, perhaps, in a similar way, like, that, I think that same left brain function extremist function we could call it the extremist function whether it's political or religious I think it's the same thing that I think religious extremism is just the same function where you see you see a world that doesn't make sense or whatever it is and there's too much chaos around you and so you compensate by focusing in on these three things that you know and that work and that you have to enforce on everybody else type of a thing
0: right yeah so you're kind of getting into there's more complexity than than the way that especially than the way that I was talking about it so sort of talking generally like this this hemisphere of the brain gives you religion in this circumstance in this part makes you practical in this sense but even within religion and practicality that, that relationship between the hemispheres applies to each aspect of each of those things. So within religion you'll have people who function primarily with the right hemisphere of their brain where they're constantly questioning religion. That's how I imagine that would manifest itself. <clears throat> and and perhaps those people uh, interact more deeply with religion because they're they're willing to go down the rabbit hole and give themselves over to religion in order to try to take it to its farthest extent and then within religion you'll have people who are more left brain dominant who perhaps that would manifest as being more dogmatic about it like you were saying like you take some principles and those are the way that things are and everyone should do it mm-hmm. and there isn't really a questioning of them interesting something like that
1: so what's the takeaway here think the takeaway is balance oh yeah or die <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, is an it, interesting, is. it is an interesting discussion because like you're saying it's less about it's less about the left being right or the right politically it's left about it's <laughs> left about <laughs> oh my gosh politically it's less about the left position being right, or gosh dang it, freaking English? Being correct. <laughs> yeah, the left position being correct, or the right position being uh, correct, and and more just about working together so that it's about cooperation so that there's a little bit of progress and a little bit of maintenance of of tradition so that we don't either um, get so so carried away in our progress and change that that it's that we need a totalitarian system, or that it's lends itself to a totalitarian system, or at the same time that we don't get so um, orderly and, and focused on tradition that it becomes naturally a totalitarian system, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's so yeah, this is part of the benefit of <coughs> of understanding the function of these two hemispheres and how they interact and how they manifest within people. Because that's helped me to develop some of the political beliefs that I have and they're still very underdeveloped because I am only now kind of starting to dip my toes into politics. I rejected it for a long time because I think it's a lot of nonsense, but you got to deal with it anyway eventually but uh <laughs> but yeah when you think of it in that way and you try to that's I, when I'm looking at things I'll try to think how how can you balance the two functions of the hemispheres essentially you know it's it's a very general concept but with looking at with looking at something like our current political system in America you say okay you're probably going to need a little of both cuz either extreme is going to be extreme and it's going to both extremes will end up in totalitarian domination <clears throat> and we don't want that So you want the opposite, probably, you want the opposite of a totalitarian system, which is a more central position. If we look at it as as circular, how we talked about before, the opposite of the two extremes is one side of center, depending on which extreme you're the opposite of. So when you're looking at the political system, you probably need a little bit of both. You need to conserve some aspects that are functioning well, and then you also need to look at, okay, These are functioning well, these need need to be or could be functioning better. How can we make that happen without throwing everything into chaos? So you try to balance the two together. And it's the same thing with personality. That's why I think it's really personally helpful to to think about things like this. Or at least it has been for me. Because I'll look at how I interact with different situations, especially if I have a severe emotional reaction to something. Think, okay, what, what part of me is interacting with that? Is it because is it because I'm, I'm so locked into this idea I have that I can't open myself up to this other thing? Or do I have too much going on with my life and that's I'm getting overwhelmed and anxious because of all of the exploring that I'm doing and I need to lock down onto some central figures? <clears throat> and so for me, it's been helpful to find different areas on both sides that I can come back to. Mm. So I've been trying to establish what makes my life meaningful and what constitutes a good sense of morality so i want to establish those things and then lock them down on you know on the left side of the brain and lock those into place as part of how i function with the world constantly and then every once in a while if i'm in a good place use the other other hemisphere so to speak to pick at them question them see how i can improve them but without dismantling them or throwing them away or doing anything too radical but constantly being open to change. And then if I'm in a place where I'm too stagnant and all I'm doing is sitting there, I need to have something to open me up and explore, which I've been doing a lot with different podcasts, I like listening to podcasts, because they get me thinking about things like this. <laughs> and then also writing is super beneficial as a way personally for me to open up the exploratory aspect of my personality. Interesting. It's interesting, man. <laughs> yeah those what? I see are some of the, the big benefits to it a lot yeah. of personal reflection
1: I like that a lot I think that's really smart
0: it's all about the balance that's what it seems to be that's one of those, that's one of those patterns that is constantly repeating always true even though it can't be really calculated Just always seems to come back. Every facet of life seems to seems to resonate that idea that there are two contrary forces that need to both be utilized in order to to I don't know, live live the ideal life.
1: Yeah, I thinking. wanted to there's actually some interesting ideas we we're talking about in my linguistics class on that that I wanted to run by you, but we'll have to do that another time. Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's
0: do it. Sweet.
1: Do it. <laughs> <laughs> we need a better way to wrap these up.
0: I know. Well, first, you should write down those other, those other things so, so we don't forget them.
1: Okay, I'm going to end the recording.
0: <laughs> All right, well, then let's say goodbye to the people. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> well, thanks, listeners go out there and be more balanced people please (laughs) only if you want to be only be a balanced person if you know you want to have a good life and be a good person otherwise you can do whatever you want (laughs) word is that a good message for people (laughs) yeah I guess so Eh, whatever. (laughs) Alright, adios.